0: Welcome to Caldwell Madison Review, episode 49, for March 23rd, 2017, the only podcast in the world that doesn't know how to say the name of his opening music, Professor Um (laughs) Lout. U-M-L-A-U-T So Professor That by Kevin McLeod of Incopatech.com. You can check out his royalty free music and graph paper at his site uh, We are not live because Blog Talk Radio doesn't want to work I don't know what I'm well, I don't Well, think I'm doing anything wrong Tried to dial in, and they will not take my call. They're... Uh... Help is not working either. Nobody's available. Who knows? Um... And I'm recording. Well, yeah, so... I'll just be uploading this later tonight typically like to do live but what can you do and there's a lightning storm outside so on top of not being able to log into blog talk radio and do a live show the power might go out, and I'll lose my entire recording won't that be funny and on top of that, I'm also getting sick. I can feel it in my throat. And it doesn't feel good. I think it, it'll just be like a normal cold. I have no idea, but. Feel it coming along, and yes. It doesn't feel good to talk. Um, I do have some sound clips, though. I'll take up a good portion of the show with sound clips. So a lot of good in- topics tonight. We have, well, not good topics, major topics. And by not good, I mean a shooting, Parliament shooting, and Great Britain. Uh, other big news today is um, there's a vote on the health. Bill was canceled, so I'll get into that. Julian Assange is a press conference, and there's more revelations from the Vault 7. There's new additions to that, anyway, coming out today. And some. Obama, Trump, wiretapping, couple updates there, and some random news. So let's get into the uh, tragedy first: terror attack in Parliament, suspect shot by police, and uh, and then later dies. Dies at the hospital, wheeled into an ambulance. So I have a couple articles on that. One from uh, DailyMail.co.uk, titled "The Hero of Westminster Police Policeman Stabbed to Death by Terrorist," is named as death toll rises to five with forty injured, including French students and Korean tourists. And I have another uh, article on mirror.co.uk, pictured parliament terror attack suspect is shot by police, is wheeled into ambulance before dying later in the hospital. And these are articles I picked out yesterday, although one was updated to today, but let me see if I can just open up with a more recent article here. Khalid Massoud uh, here's, well, here's an article in the Daily Mail I haven't seen yet exclusive London terror attack Khalid Massoud 52 once stabbed man in the face and changed from Kent schoolboy Adrian Elms to maniac who launched car and knife rampage through Westminster well here's, let me cover some of the details in the original article in Daily Mail Hyundai 4x4 was driven over Westminster Bridge, knocking down pedestrians this afternoon. Victims were said to have been left scattered in the road, with one woman knocked into the uh, River Thames. Emergency services treated at least 40 injured people on the bridge, with three people killed. Asian knife men, uh, they have Asian in quotes, I guess that's what they call Middle Eastern, over in the UK... Uh, Asian uh, knife man got into grounds of parliament where he stabbed and killed a pl- uh, police officer Met police named the officer as Keith Palmer, 48 who served with the force for 15 years a uh, middle aged attacker was shot by armed officers, died after being taken to the hospital Prime Minister vowed Britain would not surrender to voices of hate and evil in wake of attack I'll read a little bit from that article. Police saying an uh, officer who was killed by a knife man terrorist attack reeled uh, in the death toll an attack and attack has risen to five. Keith Palmer, 48, was stabbed to death outside Parliament by the attacker who brought carnage to London yesterday mowing down pedestrians on West, Westminster Bridge, killing three and injuring 40 more. And this was uh, apparently very close to Prime Minister Theresa May uh, who, who said uh, Britain would never give in the terror and would defeat hate and evil and, uh, and blasted the, quote, sick and depraved attack adding forces of evil would never drive Britain apart. And then praising police and security staff who quote ran towards danger even as they encourage others to move away. Let's see, Prime Minister Theresa May was bundled into her car by plane clothes by a plane closed police officer and quickly driven quickly from the scene as the attack unfolded. She chaired a meeting of uh, government's emergency cobra committee tonight. Now, I'm going to move over to this article on the mirror. This article begins saying uh, this is the moment the uh, Parliament terror attack suspect is wielding the ambulance, and they're showing a picture here. Now, there's a knife on the ground, two knives on the ground, it looks like. So, those dead include three members of the public, a police officer, and a woman, and the attacker. Uh, the Daily Mail article that goes into who this attacker was. I'm going to read some of the bullet points here. Police reveal a middle-aged extremist from West Midlands carried out yesterday's terror attack. A male likely to reveal he, he was born Adrian Elms in Kent before his religious conversion. Scotland Yard said he had a lifelong list of crimes to his name but had not been convicted of terror offenses. Uh, An attack in 2003 stabbed a man in the face, leaving him slumped in the driveway of a nursing home. Theresa May said he was known to security services, but was not part of the current intelligence picture. Probing to British citizens' life, links to violent jihadism, was historical, and he was deemed peripheral. ISIS has claimed responsibility, saying the killer was soldier of an Islamic state. And then the Daily Mail asks if you know him, to contact them for uh, to give to give them information, I suppose. English teacher Khalid Masood, fifty-two, a lone wolf attacker who's living in Birmingham area, had a series of convictions. So uh, he's a teacher, sentenced to two. Years were wounding uh, in 2000, sent back to jail in 2003 for the attack in Eastbourne. I don't know if it says anything about the attack in 2000. Either way, it looks like a pretty sick person, radicalized by Islam, of course. Or was a radical Islamist, I guess, to put it more accurately. It's Just scrolling through the article here. And, of course, they get into the family and other kinds of things like that. So, obviously, very tragic. And then... Of course, you know, people always put the political spin on it. It's kind of disturbing and uh, seeing some of the comments in, on the Huffington Post on some of these attacks. Uh, a lot of them just bashing Trump and conservatives and just very odd behavior. It's just something very odd to write when uh, something like this happens. And there actually was a comment on the Huffington Post that it was gaining popularity and it was some someone pointing out something to the effect of It'll you know, be in a matter of no time before uh you know, so called left wingers will point the fingers at right wingers somehow and blame them for this and uh nothing like nothing really too offensive. I I guess uh in as far as like Huffington post commas standards go, uh it was I don't think it was any more mean to the quote left wing as all, almost all the comments are to the right wing. And sure enough, it was deleted. I always wondered if the Huffington Post deleted comments uh, because I thought I saw some that were missing before, and just only it, it would only seem as though uh, the top rated comments were some very left wing anti-conservative or anti-republican or anti-whatever kind of comments. And you'd also see people responding to comments that weren't there. Oh yeah, um, one of the top comments on a Huffington Post article was regarding uh, that, the irrationality of the left when it comes to immigration and terrorist attacks, how they look the other way and all these other things not that this guy was an immigrant was still terrorists terrorism regardless and uh well I guess we see or I see now what what Huffington Post uh, how they monitor their comments um just kind of making their news site uh, to be the echo chamber that it's supposed to be I suppose and I think that's what the company wants So let's move on to the next story here. Big news in the U.S. today. So Trump demands Friday vote on health care. So I'm reading an updated article of one I saved before. Now, uh, Many uh, of the Republicans in the Freedom Caucus, which I think is 25 people, maybe 35, well, they had enough votes i think i think for this to this bill to pass they can only suffer 22 republican no votes and I think there are 35 or something like that in the freedom caucus and a bunch of uh, other republicans too are saying no way to this bill uh, there was a tweet going around today you can bet rand paul tweeted it Retweeted it, but he didn't tweet the original. And uh, the original is from Thomas Massey. And he tweets, Sorry if I let you down, I'm changing my vote. And he's got, a, he's got two ballots here. One says uh, no on the Obamacare light measure. And it says 4th District of Kentucky, and he has it crossed out, and he has one underneath it. And that one also says no, but he wrote hell in front of it, so. He changes his vote from no to hell no. So I'll read a little bit from, I guess, I have an article on CNBC and another one on Politico. I'll read a little bit from Politico to start. And then I'm going to go to a uh, clip of Rand Paul, kind of talking about it. Uh, Rand Paul is kind of seen as one of the people in the front, or the, uh, one of the top people in, in resisting this, looking for a full repeal instead of the old Obamacare light, as he calls it, and so, you know, Trump, Trump had that tweet about him, you know, saying, I'm, I'm sure he'll come along a while ago, and then he mentions Rand Paul again in a speech, you know, and, and saying, like, I like him, and all this other stuff, um, you know I'll get to Rand Paul's comments in a bit, but this article on political.com it's called uh, "Trump demands Friday vote on health care plan," and then subheadline: "If the House rejects the GOP plan, the president says Obamacare will stay." Um, so the article begins saying uh, President Trump is demanding a vote Friday in the House on the Republican plan to repeal and replace Obamacare. White House budget director Mick. Well, told g o p lawmakers that if the if the uh bill fails Trump is prepared to move on and leave Obamacare in place. Mulvaney weren't warned we'll see about that I think you know it really sounds like it's going to if they bring the one they have up to vote it's going to fail so I think they're they're either um I don't know if Trump would really want to just keep Obamacare in place instead of making a a bill that the House can agree on anyway, but we'll see. Mulvaney made his surprise announcement with the full support of Speaker Paul Ryan and other GOP House leaders during the closed-door meeting Republicans Thursday, uh, evening in the basement of the Capitol. Mulvaney... Member of the House until a few weeks ago said Trump was done negotiating and wanted an up or down vote now, so well oh, that wording is right, and I guess he wants a down one too. He says wanted <laughs> up or down um, it kind of contradicts what the article says above, saying if the bill fails, Trump is prepared to move on and leave Obamacare in place. He said he's prepared doesn't mean he will. I mean, I really doubt he would. Being that is one of his main things, and I think a lot, a lot of people are on Rand Paul's side regarding this, and think you know, they, or they don't want a an Obamacare light. Now, I I guess what I, I would agree with Rand Paul on this because they have the majority in Congress and Senate. And Trump, who said he wants the Obamacare repealed. So you might as well do it good. Do it right the first time, and don't do it half-assed. The article goes on to say, The move by Trump and Ryan is an enormous gamble. All day Thursday, they lacked the votes to pass the so-called American Health Care Act. A loss on the House floor would be glaring embarrassment for the new president and speaker. uh, could undermine other parts of the GOP legislative agenda so that's we'll give you a clue on why they pulled it for a Thursday vote because it would just not look good I don't know I think the last time I looked I don't think Donald Trump tweeted anything on that specifically except earlier today says we are this is like 9 hours ago so this is before it got postponed. We were taking action to repeal and place Obamacare. Contact your rep tell them to support Obamacare Lite. He doesn't call it Obamacare Lite, of course. And uh, Rand Paul tweeting eight hours ago, we could do real repeal. The naysayers are wrong. Hold the line for hashtag full repeal. Pull the House bill, delay the vote, and let's do this right. So, and then there's an article on CNBC. Trump demands Friday health care vote. Ryan says we're proceeding. Donald Trump has demanded a House of Representatives vote in, on the plan to repeal and place parts of the Affordable Care Act. On Friday, putting intense pressure on lawmakers to back a bill. It lacks support to pass the chamber on Thursday. So, we'll see what happens. Let's we'll see if they do the vote and then it fails and then they can maybe put a good bill in place we'll see i don't know i remember i remember seeing an article and i think i talked about it a while back saying this is all part of an elaborate plan to get have a obamacare light fail and then the real bill the real full repeal and replace pass i didn't really believe it i really doubt that paul you know that's what paul ryan wants i think paul ryan would just Put whatever, whatever safe bill he can uh, get his hands on. You'd put that together. Just looking at some other articles here. There was articles throughout the week saying that the conservatives were in the free, in the Freedom Cross uh, Caucus and uh, otherwise were saying they have enough votes to not uh, shut it down. And of course, Trump and Paul Ryan. Saying that they think it's gonna, they're saying that they're optimistic that it's gonna pass. Well, apparently not. I'm gonna play this uh, clip from Rand Paul on CNN. I think it's about five minutes long. But like I said, it kind of hurts to talk. I feel like I'm getting sick. So what a what a what better. Day for a clip show than today so here is Rand Paul on CNN and I do not know if I know this host's name but I'll play this clip here
1: Out front now, Republican Senator from Kentucky, Dr. Rand Paul. He's opposed to the current GOP plan to replace Obamacare and has offered his own alternative plan. Senator, good to have you with me. Our latest whip count right now in the House, 26 Republicans are officially voting no or leaning to no. The chair of the House Freedom Caucus, Mark Meadows, says he's got no doubt he can stop the bill. Uh, In your view, is there any chance this bill makes it out of the House?
2: No, I think we have 30 to 35
0: no votes. By the way i don 't think I mentioned this, but this is from yesterday when uh, when hopes were still high here <laughs> so but but you still get the, the uh, their side of it of things here, so i 'll continue the
2: House, and I think either the House leadership will put it forward and lose, or they will begin counting the votes very closely and decide not to put it forward. I think at that point. Conservatives will have earned a seat at the table, and then the real negotiations begin. What I think has gone on so far are the pre-negotiations, but the real negotiations begin when we show them that they don't have a vote to pass their Obamacare light bill. Uh,
1: you said today you stand with the House Freedom Caucus, of course, uh, in one of your tweets. We know President Trump has been uh, courting members of that caucus, right, <laughs> directly. He's been making with calls. He met with four of them today at the White House. Uh, more meetings planned tomorrow. Are you, Senator Paul, uh, basically reaching out to them to to resist his efforts?
2: Well, we've been having a lot of discussions, and what I will tell you from meeting members of the House Freedom Caucus is they are a very independent bunch, a very principled bunch, and I think the fact that Paul Ryan and his political machine is now running ads against them in their races and in their districts I think that's solidified them even more that this is a time in history when they have to go on their principles no matter what you know the establishment is going to do to try to defeat them in races. I think they believe that we complained about Obamacare for six years, that we should get it right, and that we shouldn't just form and pass something that's sort of a version of Obamacare but doesn't fix the crucial problem that insurance rates are going through the roof, premiums are soaring, there's a death spiral in the individual insurance market, and if we don't fix that, We're going to be blamed for now passing a version that may be no better than what Obamacare is doing.
1: So you would do things like people uh, can't stay on their parents' plan, as an example. It's not in your bill. It obviously costs a lot of money. It keeps young, healthy people out of the system. You would make changes like that?
2: No, what I would do is try to develop a marketplace where the consumer would be king again. Right now, I do have a great deal of sympathy. If there's a husband and wife and they have a plumbing business, if one of them gets sick, their rates go through the roof or they could be dropped. They're in an insurance pool of two people. That's crazy. I don't want anybody in the individual market. I would empower everybody in the individual market to join a group plan. Imagine this. There are 37 million people in AARP. What if one person negotiated a group plan for them? They would have enormous leverage to bring down prices. I want the insurance company executives to come on bended knee to the consumer. I don't want the situation we have now where the consumer begs for insurance and if they get sick they double and triple their rates. That happens under Obamacare, but it also will happen under Paul Ryan's plan if we don't actually fix the problem.
1: So, so Senator, you're you're core to this, right? This has been your passion. You were on the show a couple weeks ago. As your interview was airing, as, the, as your show was on the air, uh, President Trump tweeted about you. And what he said was, I feel sure that my friend Rand Paul will come along with the new and great health care program because he knows Obamacare is a disaster. Obviously, he didn't win you over with that. You have not come along. This is Donald Trump versus Rand Paul.
2: Well, actually, I see as myself as on the same side as the president on this. The okay, but you're not. Is, he, he's well, lobbying me, to pass the fast bill. Let me finish my thought. Let me finish my thought. I would say we are united in believing in repeal. All Republicans are united in wanting to repeal Obamacare, and I'm united with the president on that. We have some differences of opinion on replace. I want to replace Obamacare with market forces and with empowering the consumer. Paul Ryan's plan replaces Obamacare with Obamacare Lite, more government programs, more subsidies for the insurance companies. I'm not for that, but I am for repeal, so I think there is common ground what I'm trying yeah. to find is that common ground.
1: Okay, are you talking to him, though? I mean, you know, he, he he's putting everything on the line, his credibility on the line for this bill yeah. the way it is to pass, okay? I
2: We still have open lines of uh, communication with the White House. I've talked to the president three times in the last week, uh-huh. talked to the, pre- the vice president twice in the last week or two. We have open lines. i met with his representatives from the White House today, so we have open lines of communication. Our goal is not to defeat the president and really not to defeat Paul Ryan. Our goal is to repeal Obamacare and replace it with something better. Our fear is that the Paul Ryan plan will still allow insurance rates, the death spiral, the upheaval in the individual market to continue, that he hasn't fixed the problem.
1: So you uh, recently, I know, handed out copies of the president's book, Art of the Deal, to members of the House Freedom Caucus, right? You said uh, you wanted them to learn from the master. But he's out there right now. He's in his element. He's selling the deal. As I said, calling members of the House Freedom Caucus, as you are. He's trying to get them to vote yes. Can you beat him at his own game with these guys?
2: It's not about me versus the president, it's really about the principles that we've been running on for decades, or for at least almost a decade. In 2010, the whole Tea Party insurgency that I was elected as part of was about repealing Obamacare. So ultimately, we are in agreement, but we're going to have to come to the understanding we disagree on what to replace it with.
1: All right, thank you very much, Senator Paul. Thank you.
0: All right, well, there you have Rand's comments, sounding a little bit more optimistic yesterday than the media today. So it'll be interesting to see over the weekend how this plays out. And the next hot story for this week here, WikiLeaks Vault 7 leak claims CIA bugs factory-fresh iPhones. An article at heavy.com. I'll get into some of Julian Assange's Press conference in a minute, but I'll, I'll read a little bit on this. A new WikiLeaks Vault 7 leak titled Dark Matter claims with unreleased documents that the Central Intelligence Agency has been bugging factory-fresh iPhones since at least 2008. WikiLeaks further claims that the CIA has the capability to permanently bug iPhones even if their operating systems are deleted or replaced. The documents are expected to be released in the next 24 hours. The announce uh, the announce was made after a press briefing that WikiLeaks promoted on his Twitter. And then uh, there's a tweet on that from the 23rd of March from WikiLeaks. Oh, I, I think they're showing the. Release, I'm not sure. So WikiLeaks tweets release, CIA, hashtag Vault7, Dark Matter, and they have a link. And it's linked to WikiLeaks.org on eight oh two AM today, March twenty third. Today, March 23rd, 2017, Wikileaks releases Vault 7 Dark Matter, which contains documentation for several CIA projects that affect Apple Mac firmware, meaning the infection persists even if the operating system is reinstalled, developed by CIA's embedded development branch. These documents explain the techniques used by CIA to gain persistence on Apple Mac devices, including Macs and iPhones, and demonstrate their... Use of EFI and UEFI and firmware malware and continues on. So I'm going to just uh, skip the news here, or the rest of the article on Heavy.com rather. And I'm going to play a couple sections. I'm going to play his opening, like the first couple of minutes of his opening, and then I am going to place uh he he it was a press conference technically so he he took questions i can only think of one question the whole video is about 40 minutes but i'm going to get to one of his questions he was asked about working with the tech companies i thought that was kind of interesting and what he said there uh there was also some interesting stuff Uh, if you're interested in this topic anyway i'd recommend looking up this video You can look up, I would just search on YouTube for WikiLeaks or Julian Assange press conference for March 23rd and listen to his comments. That They're in the first 10 minutes or so of the, the, yeah, I think it's around the first 10 minutes or so of the video. He kind of goes off. On how the CIA has grown beyond its purpose and uh, its power is getting out of control and things like that, so it's interesting to hear his take on that. But I'm going to play right now uh, the very first couple of minutes of his press conference here that was streamed live today. And by the way, when it was live, the sound just kept cutting out, and it was just, uh, it was uh, pretty painful to listen to. But it's all back on YouTube here. Um, corrected. So here we go.
3: Welcome to the WikiLeaks press conference on CIA Vault 7 Dark Matter and associated issues, which we will get to in the questions. Today, March 23rd, 2017, WikiLeaks releases CIA Vault 7 Dark Matter which contains documentations for several CIA projects, including of that name, that infect Apple Macintosh computer firmware, meaning the infection persists even if the operating system is reinstalled, developed by the CIA's Embedded Development Branch, EDB. These documents explain the techniques used by the Central Intelligence Agency to gain, quote, persistence, unquote, on Apple Macintosh devices including Macs and some iPhones and demonstrate their use of EFI slash UEFI and firmware malware. What does that mean? That means that this is a malware technique developed by the CIA to insert its malware and viruses into people's computer systems, Macintosh computer systems, which doesn't store itself uh, on the regular uh, hard drive that people use, so that even if you throw away your hard drive and reinstall your operating system, the malware persists. in fact,
0: by the way, I'm just going to interject here. this is um, I guess coming from somebody coming from somebody with a tech background i've I've heard of this stuff oh probably ten years ago or more of uh, firmware type viruses where yeah you could you could pull your hard drive out and smash it with a hammer, um, but it's embedded into the computer, and it uh, it takes a lot more to get rid of something like that than your typical hard drive virus, but I'll continue on with Julian Assange here.
3: The development notes of the more recent versions of this malware show that the CIA believes that the malware will even persist across re-infector is stored on modified firmware of an Apple Thunderbolt to Ethernet connector. That is a a device made by Apple uh, to produce, uh, it's like a USB dongle, a dangerous dongle in this case, uh, to uh, connect to the Ethernet. And the CIA has modified that uh, to use it to take over the computer system at boot time before the Mac firmware password is demanded.
0: So, a little bit on that. He... um If you're interested in how this stuff works, he gets into some pretty good detail about all of it, but yeah, pretty sneaky stuff, and I think this is just the uh, tip of the iceberg here on what else is going to come out in the near future, but let me skip ahead a little bit here and get to one of his questions.
3: Okay, let's move to questions. Thomas Fox Brewster, security reporter uh, from Fox News, says, uh, you made demands of tech firms before handing over CIA exploits. Uh, What were those demands, and has the info been handed over? Uh, Well, I think demands is a bit of a a strange word to use. This is a a serious business, Uh, these exploits Uh, that have been produced by the CIA uh, can affect uh, millions and millions of people. So it has to be done cautiously, there have to be security channels involved uh, and there has to be agreements that the uh, vendors will in fact be responsive and will produce security fixes. Uh, WikiLeaks has no obligation, Uh, we're a publisher, we specialize in investigating, uh, publishing and fighting to secure sources and for the rights of journalists and others uh, to freely express themselves. So this is not our business, but we work for us. Uh, It it is my view that the security teams are actually very responsive and doing uh, a good job at the major uh, organisations. In some, there has been a hold-up at the legal end and possibly the political end. And I'll just go through a chronology... Uh, on March the 12th, we contacted Mozilla, Google, Apple, and Microsoft. Uh, Cisco was also very proactive, and one of their, uh, their lead security engineers contacted us uh, proactively. Some of you will have noticed that they put out an advisory uh day before yesterday on uh, one of the CIA exploits, which affects more than 300 types of uh, Cisco uh, routers that has permitted Cisco uh, to alert its users uh, so they can disable uh, that service, uh, Telnet, which is uh, uh, has the, the hole which the CIA or anyone else uh, can use to, uh, in theory, uh, exploit to get into these systems. We didn't publish the exploit itself, but a description of All right, I'm going to
0: stop it there. Uh, it it goes on a lot longer but I just wanted to give you a little bit of that uh, how he is working with other tech companies but I guess they have to show legitimate interest in, in wanting to fix it before he releases the uh, the actual code or whatever or the report the detailed report and how everything's done and uh, this is kind of funny here. This is an article from a while ago, before the Vault Seven leaks. Article from January twenty fifth of this year, so a couple months ago. Trump's FBI boss, Attorney General, picks. Uh, re- Trump's FBI boss, Attorney General, picks. Reckon your encryption's getting backdoored. This isn't going to end well. This is a article on the theregister.co.uk. U.S. President Donald Trump's pick for Attorney General and head of the FBI will have security specialists nervous, since both believe breaking encryption is a good idea. Senator Jeff Sessions is Trump picks, uh, Trump's pick for top legal in the, in the U.S., Congressional testimony outed himself as a committed backdoor man. (laughs) Nice words there. When it comes to encryption, in a written essay, Senator Patrick Lee, Lee, he laid out his position. So, well, I guess they already have backdoors to it. So this is kind of uh, pretty big news. Here, Republican Noons uh, tries to give Trump cover on wiretap claim. On Bloomberg po- or Bloomberg.com, Bloomberg Politics, almost two weeks after President Trump's tweets accusing... Uh, okay, this... Well, let me... Let me mention this. This is from March 22nd, yesterday. Almost two weeks after President Trump's tweets... Accusing his uh, predecessor of wiretapping Trump Tower, the Republican head of House Intelligence Committee tried to offer some support by saying the president's team was caught up in a U.S. surveillance net. Representative Devin Nunes said Wednesday that the intelligence community collected multiple conversations, including members of Trump's transition team, during legal surveillance of foreign targets after he won the election last year afternoons went to the White House to brief Trump. The President told reporters uh, quote, "I somewhat do end quote feel vindicated by the latest development." The committee's top Democrat, Adam Schiff of California said noon's decision to go to Trump before informing other members of the panel cast quite a profound cloud over whether the committee can conduct a proper investigation. And it says, Nunes said he was alarmed to discover that the identities of Trump aides were revealed in the intelligence community documents. Quote, details with little or no apparent foreign intelligence value were widely uh, disseminated in an intelligence community report. He added, adding that he didn't know if Trump's uh, own communications were intercepted. Now this leads me to, Andrew Napolitano, which I kind of found some surprising news here. I don't watch Fox News a lot, but I know that he's on there. Article in the New York Times. uh, Fox News sidelines Andrew Napolitano after a wiretap allegation. This is on March 21st, so even a day before. The last article, Andrew Napolitano, a senior legal analyst for Fox News, has been temporarily sidelined following his unapproved assertion last week that former President Barack Obama had asked for British assistance in spying on Donald J. Trump. A person briefed on the decision said Monday, Mr. Napolitano did not appear on Fox News on Monday, even though... There was two news events that, were, that normally would have called for his services hearings involving FBI Director James Comey and the Supreme Court nominee, Neil M. Gorsuch. And there's a couple articles here. There's one on the Washington Post, too. New York Times twin here. Andrew Napolitano reportedly pulled from Fox News over debunked, wiretapping claims so they go as far as to say they're debunked fox news has reportedly pulled legal analyst andrew napolitano from air over his baseless claim repeated by donald trump that british intelligence officials spied on trump at the request of barack obama so this one is even word worded more colorfully i'll say than the new york times article Paul Tanoy, a regular face at Fox News, had appeared on the networks or had not appeared on the network since Thursday and will not be a guest in the near future, the Los Angeles Times and the Associated Press reported Monday citing anonymous individuals. Fox News spokeswoman did not immediately respond to a message seeking comment Monday night. The Dow Jones Newswire also reported the story along with speculation that Napolitano wouldn't be gone too long from Fox, the longtime commenter and purveyor of conspiracy theories has a significant following. Purveyor of conspiracy theories. They don't say anything about that. I don't know what, I don't know what they're talking about. I've seen a lot of his stuff. And then the Washington Times, which isn't as left wing as the New York Times or Washington Post, they they uh, write a little bit about it. Fox benches Napolitano amid wiretap fizzle. Um, another article from Tuesday, March 21st, followed from President Trump's wiretapping claims against Barack Obama, have turned the White House toward Fox News. And now, according to several reports, Andrew Napolitano, the outlet's Frequent Judge Napolitano, legal commentator, has been benched. And he says, eh, he'll be back and back soon, rightly so. So, note to the left, don't crack the champagne bottle just yet. Well, anyway, I have another article here. If I can get it to load. Maybe Napolitano will be back sooner than we think. Or maybe not, but there's an article on foxnews.com that uh, is titled, Potential Smoking Gun Shows Obama Administration Spied on Trump Team, Source Says. Article by James Rosen. Republican congressional investigators expect a potential smoking gun establishing that the Obama administration spied on the Trump transition team, and possibly the president-elect himself, will be produced to the White House Intelligence Committee this week, a source told Fox News. Classified intelligence showing incidental collection of the Trump team communications, reportedly seen by the committee of Chairman Devin Nunes, uh, Republican California, and described by him in vague terms, at a bombshell Wednesday afternoon conference came from multiple sources. Capitol Hill sources told Fox News. The intelligence corroborated information about surveillance of the Trump team that was known to noons, sources said even before the president or even before President Trump accused his predecessor of having wiretapping him in a series of now infamous tweets posted on March Fourth, so it looks like we have a a source an anonymous source so let's see who's uh let's see if the uh, fox news's anonymous source pulls through better than the uh, new york times and washington posts anonymous sources with all their russian stuff it'll be the war of anonymous sources which anonymous sources can produce? <laughs> so, another article to look forward to, uh, for updates to. David Rockefeller, Flanchivist, and the head of Chase Manhattan, dies at 101. 101 years of age. Heading back to New York Times here. An article by James Candle on March 20th, 2017, so Monday, I caught this news shortly after the last show ended. David Rockefeller, the banker and philanthropist with the fabled family name who controlled Chase Manhattan Bank for more than a decade and wielded vast influence around the world for even longer has or as he spread the gospel of American capitalism, died on Monday morning at his home in uh Pocantico Hills New York he's 101 the son of David Jr. confirmed his death or his son David Jr. confirmed his death Chase Manhattan had long been known as the Rockefeller Bank although the family never owned more than 5% of its shares but Mr. Rockefeller was more than a steward as a chairman and chief executive throughout the 1970s he was he made it David's bank as many called it expanding its operations internationally so I they it's in, it was interesting to me that the uh, New York Times in the first paragraph says um, or included in that sentence here wielded fast influence around the world for uh, even longer as he spread the gospel of American capitalism now, a lot of free market. Capitalist types are definitely not fans of David Rockefeller, well, especially in the conspiracy community, and, and they're seeing him as a kind of. They see him as like a you know New World Order person, as someone who advocates for centralized power. So not very capitalist there. And I think he he was uh, favorable to the Federal Reserve type idea, which is kind of seen as a communist idea by many, or a or a key component in communism anyway. So, and he was a I'm go, a little bit more from the New York Times article. He was the last surviving grandson of John D. Rockefeller the tycoon who founded Standard Oil Company in the 19th century and built a fortune that made him America's first billionaire and his family one of the richest and most powerful in nation's history. And I get more on his life if you want to read that on New York Times. Now back to the whole conspiracy thing, there's, there's these quotes that, have, um, that are cited quite frequently here from Rockefeller as many people take issue with so David uh, this is on opengov.ideascale.com Com. David Rockefeller's book memoirs admits secretly conspiring for NWO highly cited by people who view uh, Rockefeller's as uh, behind New World Order, whatever their definition of that may be. Here's one. Some even believe we, Rockefeller family, are part of a secret cabal working against the best interests of the United States, characterizing my family and me as internationalists and of conspiring uh, with others around the world to build a more integrated global political and economic structure, one world if you will, if that's the charge, I stand guilty and I'm proud of it. Here is one, and that's apparently from his memoirs. Here's a a quote that's uh, attributed to him in 1991 to Trilateral Commission. Now, I looked into this quote a little bit, and I think some people are skeptical that he actually said this. So I guess, you know, take it with a grain of salt or read or do the research and come to your own conclusion here. But this is attributed to him. We are grateful. It, it wasn't uh, I guess just to go back. It wasn't it was something that wasn't I don't think proven or maybe uh, it wasn't that something was necessarily debunked. But I'm just going to read it here. We are grateful to The Washington Post, New York Times, Time Magazine and other great publications who whose directors have attended our meetings and respect to their promises of discretion for almost 40 years it would have been impossible for us to develop our plan for the world if we had been subject to the bright lights of publicity during those years but the work is now much more sophisticated and prepared to march toward a world government the supernatural sovereignty of an intellectual elite and world bankers is surely preferable to the national auto-determination practiced by past centuries. So I've heard that one before. And, um... That's it for his quotes. They do quote a Nick Rockefeller on here as saying, the end goal is to get everybody chipped to control the world, society to have bankers and the elite people control the world. He's talking about, like, the... Whatever the, the chip in your in your skin, scan, scan your card, and that, that was just from Aaron Russo documentary. They say Aaron Russo interview. They say it, that they say Nick Rockefeller says that, and then they says the source is Aaron Russo interview, uh, but that I know what that interview is from. It's not an interview of Nick Rockefeller. Uh, it's a interview. By Alex Jones, like a young Alex Jones, I think before he got really, really popular, like the, or at least you know he wasn't as popular as he is now, uh, interviewing Aaron Russo, and this is Aaron Russo's story. Well, how when he was running for office, you know he met Nick Rockefeller, or whatever. He does have a picture of him with Nick Rockefeller, but there's not like a audio recording or anything like of him saying that just trying to be fair. I'm not trying to ruin everybody's new world order. conspiracies. i have my own of course, but <laughs> they don't they don't get too extreme. they're not of any kind of reptilian nature or anything like that. just more of uh thinking along the lines that a new world order is just kind of a natural order a natural order of the elite to try to maintain power and hold it through maybe suppression of others, whether, you know, suppressing information through the media or creating contracts with governments to stamp out uh, in in various methods um, competition. And some of these people that are in this, quote, new world order, you know, people rise and fall. You know, some people stay billionaires their entire lives. Some become billionaires, some were billionaires, and uh, it's just as the story goes. Excuse my trailing off. I'm just looking at, I got. I covered the main articles I wanted to go over. But I'm just going to cover a couple more things here real quick. I just uh, article I noticed here on the register.co.uk regarding the U.S. anyway. Sorry, I've forgotten my decryption password is contempt of court, U.S. appeals judge. The U.S. Third Circuit Court of Appeals today upheld a lower court ruling of contempt against an ex-cop who claimed he couldn't remember the password to decrypt his computer's hard drives. In so doing, his appeals in court in Philadelphia avoided addressing the lower court's rejection of the defendant's argument that being forced to reveal his password violated his Fifth Amendment protection against self-incrimination. The case under review, the U.S. District Court for the Eastern District of Pennsylvania held the defendant referred referred to in court documents as John Doe because the case is partially under seal, in contempt of court for willfully disobeying and resisting the order to decrypt eternal hard drives that have been attached to his Mac Pro computer. Apparently they were seized as a part of child pornography investigation. So that's what the story is. The article says the bloke, you can tell it's a UK article here, I didn't know they called people blokes in articles it says the bloke is understood to be Francis Rawls a former police sergeant who has been in jail without charge for the past 17 months because he has not handed over his 5 vault encryption passwords so we'll see where this goes of course I don't want the guy to get away with like child porn or something like that but you never know road to hell is paved with good intentions and they might be holding this guy in contempt or, or finding that it's a-okay to do this for this case but this is something that could wind up bad for people in the future sounds like it could be bad for the fifth amendment anyway and here's something I found in the Huffington Post and it's a headline that said Trump asked for tanks at inauguration. I didn't read this article yet. Yeah, I just like to save these fun ones. We can learn about them together. And nothing's more entertaining than the Huffington Post. <laughs> the, the way they spin stuff. Trump's team said it didn't ask for military vehicles at inauguration. Email show it did. Washington the, the month after Donald Trump won the presidential election his staff asked the Pentagon to send photographs of military tactical vehicles that he could include in his inaugural parade emails obtained by the Huffington Post show the president presidential inaugural or uh, I can't speak I'm gonna blame it on the cold. the presidential inaugural and I I, I think I literally got this cold. Two hours ago, or two and a half hours ago, it was probably about an hour before the show I started feeling like this, and it kind of hit me hard. Kind of weird. Maybe I'll just wake up tomorrow and I'll be gone. It's high hopes. But I can dream. Uh, the Presidential Inaugural Committee is seriously consider quote seriously considering adding military vehicles to the Inaugural Parade, a Pentagon official wrote in an internal email. Dated December 13, 2016. The conversation started, Can you send us some pictures of military vehicles we could add to the parade? So, again, the headline says, Trump's team said it didn't ask for military vehicles at inauguration. Emails show it did. I think he asked for pictures that they can use. Maybe they wanted to look at them and make the decision after that. And here's this email says, "Sir, pick is seriously is P I C is seriously considering adding military vehicles at the inaugural parade. Discussion is completely off the record at this point. And by the way, below something they blocked it out level, but establishing guidance has come to the highest level. I do believe they'll be making the request. The conversation started." Can you send us some pictures of military vehicles? We could add to the parade. I explained that such support would be out of guidelines and costs associated with bringing military vehicles to NCR would be considered reimbursable. I'm extremely reluctant to produce an improvised list of military vehicles that we might be held to. Also concerned that we... Uh, as a command, need an opportunity staff. An opportunity to staff this request and make deliberate decisions about vehicle choice and configuration. Blah blah blah. Paint scheme. <laughs> uniform. Etc. And the letter goes on a little bit more. Then the Huffington Post put an animated picture of tanks and hummers and air military planes circling the White House and with tanks parked in the White House front lawn so that's pretty accurate I'm sure to what the president asked well fun stuff there well this has been Caldwell Madison Review episode 49 and thanks for tuning in hopefully the next episode will be a live one like it's supposed to be We are live Mondays and Thursdays at 8 o'clock Central Time. So tune in then if you'd like to. Listen live and you can call in. If anything you'd like to talk about. Well, I hope everybody has a great weekend. And again, thanks for tuning in. And we'll hope to catch you next time.